Hello guys, welcome to another podcast with me Sahil and my friend. Hi everyone, this is Anirudh. And like always, we have got the recent updates and discussions around the world of football and business of sports for you guys. So, let's just dive right right into it. So Anirudh, how is how has it been the last couple of weeks? Uh definitely a lot of uh, controversial stuffs happening. and i can't wait to get into this discussion with you yeah hi sahil yeah i think i agree you know a lot of different different sports having different controversies you know uh and, and but you know there's a common thread that everything kind of aligns with the officials for some reason so <laughs> yeah. so yeah you know even i'm kind of excited to kind of discuss uh these topics with you so yeah i mean let's let's begin you know what did you have First. Yes. So first thing is obviously the most controversial uh, F1 finale, which is which ever took place. And uh, I remember this. Uh, we were watching the race, uh, and uh, I was continuously texting you. And I don't know what just happened. The last lap, the last few moments of the race, it just turned upside down, and I had to literally throw my phone away in you know disbelief. I replied you after an hour when I got back to my senses. it was so dramatic and it was so i according to me it was so not right basically and uh, uh, it just like blew my mind away and it was the best sporting spectacle according to me which happened this year uh, obviously keeping the olympics in mind as well but the entire season uh, the the finale and everything was just set up to some another level of uh, sportsmanship and uh, great rivalry basically between max and louis but the way it ended and the way it folded out in the end it's just uh, you know i started to question the authorities which are part of this uh, and uh, there's a lot to be discussed in this scenario uh, so yeah first thoughts about uh, the race anirudh yeah I, i completely agree with your point you know like 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 the concept of sports is that you know you have fair competition and uh, and you know through the fair competition the best team the best person and you know the best uh, sportsman kind of they win right and uh, like throughout the season i think you know we've discussed this in the past as well you know uh, like it was so neck to neck you know uh, hamilton started well but then verstappen did really well to take the lead and then hamilton again you know did really well to cover up that lead and all came down to the last race and uh, and i thought Mercedes had a really good strategy, and, and they kind of chose the strategy of going with uh, the old tires because they felt, you know, that would. I mean, it, it was not the the car was suited for that track, and you know, they felt that you know they could see the race through. But but you know, everything everything went all everything went to dust, you know, later on in the last. the last lap yeah because i'm um, yeah i'm still kind of uh, wrapping my head around that entire concept of why uh, such a decision was taken but uh, but you know nevertheless i think really great sportsmanship shown by lewis hamilton even after such a such a disheartening end to his uh, end to this race you know so so yeah I, i definitely you know a lot of questions raised to the uh, officials but uh, and i think there were two challenges from mercedes as well post the race but you know both were denied which which kind of shows how uh, which kind of shows that you know the officials they they're not looking into you know 
why they took this particular decision. It's just that, you know, okay, the decision has been taken. Now you just have to deal with it. So, you know, it definitely goes against what, you know, the the sports or the concept of sports stands for. But it was really interesting race, I would say. I mean, yeah, perfectly you summed it up. Uh, and yeah, I mean... Uh, strategically speaking, Mercedes were on the right course to win the race because they had the hard hard tires on and they were going to last for the amount of the laps which were remaining. That was for sure. And that also helped Lewis to gain out. He was, he was at least on a 12 or 13 second lead before the crash with Schumacher and Latifi happened. And uh, yeah, so obviously the safety car came into the picture and all of those things were Everybody had the chance to go and pit for new tires, and I think Lewis was not allowed that chance, or maybe, uh, maybe they decided that not to change the tires because it was not really sure of what how many laps would be there. And by the looks of it, it was almost quite certain that uh, the race would end behind the safety car. Uh, but um, uh, Max got the got the opportunity to change that tire, and it's fine. I mean, the only point is that why were the cars, uh, you know, uh, led to go in front and why Why was the gap reduced between Max and Lewis just so they could race? I mean, that is what they have been doing for the entire season and I heard Toto screaming at uh, uh, Michael Massey that, you know, this is not right and he said that this is motor racing, motor racing, Toto will be event motor racing. But I mean, like, uh, then what is the point of that lead which he, you know, which he got? Right? That is That comes down to his driving and his you know, his skills. So you basically cut that out, completely put Max on new tires right behind Lewis and you announced that there will be another lap of racing. I mean, that just put the championship into Red Bull's basket is what I'm making the whole situation out of it. But then again, people would be like, Lewis has been preferred before and like, you know, all of these situations has also happened in the past where Lewis has been given the preference, this and that. But the point is that we were talking, we were talking about championship finale, and it it mattered. That was the moment it really mattered, and I don't think so uh, that anyone went out of the line. Neither did Lewis, nor did Max. That one decision literally changed the entire course of the season, the entire race, and obviously the highs and lows of sports came came into the picture. So uh, really shocking to see like what was the thought behind that. Uh, even if even if it it had to they had to go racing right even if he got the new tires then at least he should have uh, kept that uh, 13 or 12 second lead which Lewis had intact right I mean why was that just completely vanished off and it was like a clean slate because literally at the start of the last lap Max was literally besides Lewis almost like he was trying he was not trying to overtake but he was letting him know his that he's there you know like he's he was trying to get into his head. And he was trying to be right beside him. And then he got behind him. And as soon as the last lap they began, I heard what Lewis said on, on the radio. He was like, you know, these guys are just, you know, this is manipulating. They are just manipulating the entire race. I mean, the way Lewis fought back, I mean, it was just like immense because we have already spoken about this in the uh, in the last podcast. I mean, to to snatch it away from him, then that in that sense, it just didn't make any sense to me as a spectator. But uh, on the whole, I think... Uh, the drama, the intensity, uh, those last moments, you know, uh, which which sports is known for, uh, which is to never give up right till the very end. I think it, it all went in those direction. Uh, 
uh, yeah so basically it it was a very uh, intense day and intense day of racing uh, but here i would also like to say that uh, pinpoint uh, checo uh, sergio perez as a as a racing driver because uh, the way he drove that car i mean i have never seen someone ride that red bull in that aggressive manner knowing that max is his partner but the way he defended lewis on those on on those few laps yeah. i mean uh yeah, any thoughts on that anil yeah no no i completely agree i think i think uh, i think sergio perez had a really big hand in kind of having that gap closed between max and lewis because the way he held lewis for those I'm not sure how many laps it was. Maybe maybe two laps or something. The way he held Lewis, you know, just just keeping Lewis in the second position till the time Max can cover up that distance. Uh, I think Max was Max has changed his tires, and I think he was a couple of uh, uh, positions behind. So I think it was really really you know amazing driving from Sergio Perez. Yeah, completely. Yeah, Max. Yeah, exactly. Max was I think eight nine sec eight nine seconds behind, and because of Sergio came in distance of two seconds. Exactly. And exactly. That is yeah. huge because there was this amazing shot where you know, like in the beginning, it was all the cameras were focused on both Lewis and Perez. They were fighting, 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 and then this scene came in where on the straight, both of them were you know going at each other. and you could see max coming behind as well like it became yeah. all of a sudden it just became a three three pack race which is obviously two versus one but still but that that sight of max in the background just like you know he's going to hunt him down because he's in the picture again that as a as a spectator was like it gave me goosebumps because i thought okay lewis has got this he is going to stretch his lead because he's on the hard compound as well and max on the soft so this is going to go his way but then that yeah. twist and that uh, that uh, that few seconds and few moments where uh, checo rode like uh, uh, drove the car like a literally like a lion and he he really got max with the picture and as max said it on the said it on the radio that he's a legend and we all have to literally agree to this one more one more very important point here anirudh that like to say is that you know uh, red bull have always been a very good car but not having the perfect number 2 rider Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, driver. They have always struggled in that department, and you could see what happened this season, where Checo got them, uh, I think, a good 190 points, if I'm not mistaken, by this. Like he literally gave them that support system, which a second rider always has to do. Even in the case of Mercedes, they had Valtteri Bottas all these years, who used to, you know, uh, make sure that there are there is no other uh, situation where Lewis has to go. Two on one or one on one. He used to be there to, you know, be that support system as a second driver because everybody knows that there could be only one champion. So, uh, Red Bull have always suffered with the second driver. Uh, after Ricardo departing, he was not ready. He was not ready to take up this spot of the second driver. They had, they had uh, Albon. They had also Gasly, and now finally they got Sergio Perez, which is, which is immense because. Uh, no like uh, basically he was out of contract and uh, after the post india situation and uh, uh, you remember the scene where uh, honda just calls him and asks him to join red bull which was very like intriguing to see and uh, i mean he did a fantastic job he literally changed the fortunes around and that is what a perfect number 2 driver with his amount of experience can do wonders at a team like red bull basically they got in the they 
that got him max the championship which is a just a huge thing yeah i think this this i would say this season made for a really good content for netflix and <laughs> uh, you know hopefully we hopefully we see the, the this this season in the you know latest kind of drive to survive I, yeah it is <laughs> for sure official for sure made sure that you know they gain a lot of fans through that final <laughs> moments because yeah. i because I, like i was scrolling through the social media and i was seeing everyone posting and reposting about about that final key moments about the race and yeah. uh, that just kind of showed you know how much new, new fans they have gained all the seasons that i have seen uh, in f1 i think this was the best season uh, that you know i have seen as a as a as a spectator and as a fan definitely definitely i mean uh, this is what we watch racing for like like these neck to neck battles and then championship goes down to the last race and obviously we hope for a much better you know fi body which will take better decisions in the future so that will be dependent on how they you know assess, assess the situation and also for the next season uh, you said it perfectly i mean netflix has so much of content to you know basically give the users that recap of uh, what happened in the last season just before the start of the next season i think they should really milk it out and you know release like a two two part of this season because of the amount of content they have gathered around these 22 races i mean is this is this going to be insane to watch it unfold and i'm already hyped about it when whenever it's going to release i'm sure i'm going to watch it in the first one day or the second day itself and you know get over with it because i'm already so uh, i'm already missing f1 it's been almost the this one week has passed by where i was not tuning into f1 and i'm already missing the rush of it so yeah definitely can't wait for the netflix documentary and also the next season to 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 kick off because of the new regulations with the cars and everything it's going to be a completely different picture so yeah definitely looking forward to f1 uh, for the next next year yeah and plus uh, george russell joining mercedes yeah. next year so it'll be interesting to see that as well how he does as a as second driver that is obviously that will be really interesting because uh, so uh, what i i feel as a spectator is that they are going to start grooming him to be the number one rider because lewis is now almost 37 we don't yeah. know how much longer he's going to continue at that prime uh, you know like that uh, hot spot of being the number one driver because uh, but he's still done such a tremendous job all these years and you know he's kept himself in such a good shape and he's performed at such a high level at this stage it's just like so yeah, it's really commendable so now they need a they they need the new champion they need to start grooming him you know get getting used to the new car and uh, all the regulations and everything and accordingly you know fit his riding style as well so driving style as well so definitely i mean george russell is a talented guy and this will be this will be really interesting to see how he turns it up against the red bulls and how he gives them a tough fight so yeah i remember this one race where he had stepped in for lewis and he drove the mercedes like he's been driving it since he's born like such a professional uh, and he was going to overtake every he was overtaking even over to botas for that what's that matter so yeah i mean really can't wait to see him in action yes i think so yeah that was pretty much with the f1 scenario and uh, straight after that three days later another huge controversial mix up which was the ucl draw and uh, i remember you were messaging me i was i was stuck with some something during that time yeah and just talk talk through it what was happening exactly yeah it was really interesting to be honest because uh, 
Like I, I was watching, I started watching the UCL draw, but then I kind of stepped away for a second and I was just, you know, going through Twitter and I see everyone kind of messaging, uh, you know, why was United not in the, why was United not in the draw, why was United not in the draw. And then I kind of, I checked what happened and, uh, like it, it seemed like the, the system, uh, that kind of, uh, tells the presenters what, uh, teams to choose for which draws. So, like, there are rules because, uh, you, know, you cannot face, uh, the teams that you, uh, had in your group and you cannot face teams, uh, from, from that same league, right? So, so what that, so what happened in that case was that Atletico Madrid, uh, I believe had Bayern Munich and some other team as well and they should have had Manchester United in the draw as well. But the presenters failed to pick up Manchester United in that draw. And so in the first instance, uh, you know, Atletico drew Bayern Munich and United drew no. PSG. But, but then, you know, uh, the, like the respective clubs started to kind of protest that particular draw. And even the officials felt that, you know, this required a redraw as well because it felt very, uh, how would I put this? It, it felt very, kind of manually uh, decided draws, right? So, that is how it felt. So, so for that reason, they did a redraw, and in that redraw, they kind of got everything correct. They got the system fixed, I believe, and, you know, one hour later, one or one and a half hour later, they did the redraw, and, uh, and then, yeah, the redraw went as smooth as possible. So, you know, then Atletico Madrid uh, drew Manchester United, and, uh, and I think PSG drew Real Madrid. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the draws in itself, some clubs, I think Bayern Munich have Salzburg, which, which Salzburg is a good team, but, you know, compared to Bayern, it, I mean, I feel it's, uh, you know, Bayern can go through. And then Chelsea got Lille from the French league, and which, mm. again, you know, I feel is, is not a difficult task for Chelsea. And some of the, like, other draws, I think there was Atletico versus Man United, there was Liverpool, Inter Milan, and then there was PSG Madrid. So what did you think of, of like, what, did, what are your thoughts about these three draws? Yeah, interesting matches, and definitely these are the big guys uh, for which we most probably tune into to watch the UCL. And, uh, uh, yeah, beginning of it, like, my team, which is Manchester United taking on Atletico Madrid, I think it's going to be... Uh, Four or five people defending at the back, playing, playing like a complete pass system because, and then taking on the counter attack, and that is not a good sign because United have always struggled to break the defense down. Although their defense is not that, yeah, we don't have a strong defense either. So that would be really interesting to see how we line up against uh, Atletico. Uh, one thing I'm sure is that uh, having Ralph Ragnick in, in in place, it it really counts that he knows. He, we have seen his interview where he breaks down a position's play. He knows exactly uh, what managers think and how, what is their identity when it comes to playing a game. So it would be interesting to see how he counters Diego Simeone's style of play and how we play and what are the tactics which will be involved with in the, during the match. But definitely it's going to be a cracker. And uh, both the teams have struggled in the domestic season so far. So... Not like it's not easy to say which one as a has an upper hand, but I still uh, I still go that I still go with United because we have Ronaldo and he has had a cracker of a record against Atletico Madrid every time he has turned up. 
he has scored a goal against them and uh, his 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 drive and his determination to win the UCL is just uh, on another level i also remember that game where he literally uh, took juventus through uh, when he played against atletico madrid uh, in the second leg at at uh, at home for juventus uh, he scored two or two goals and and then a, then a penalty as well so i think three goals or something like that and he got the team through so i mean he his intention is most probably to win the ucl and uh, having a, having a team like atletico madrid uh, so definitely it's going to be a crack of a match and gonna really look forward to that one yeah i think both both would have kind of been happy with the with the draw because uh, you know like atletico first had bayern munich and they would wouldn't have been happy because bayern munich is the <laughs> team they are but yeah. now i think yeah, both the teams i feel have equal chance of winning that tie yeah the other other game is uh, i think who did liverpool uh, draw inter right yeah liverpool drew inter yeah. milan what's yeah so the what's your take yeah i think uh, like i'm very glad antonio conte is not an inter milan at the moment so, yeah. so that is one plus point for liverpool but yeah i think we have faced inter milan uh, i think back in 2008 or 2009 where uh, where we won uh, at san siro and okay. then and then we won uh, in anfield as well so like inter milan are a good team they have really good players i wouldn't say it's a smooth sailing for liverpool but i feel liverpool's record in ucl and the way they have been uh, performing in the last 2 3 seasons i feel liverpool are at a at, at slightly higher level than inter milan are at the moment and uh, so that experience and that uh, that desire and and basically that experience of playing at that level of football i think liverpool have slightly upper hand but you know i'll not get carried away because of the strength mm-hmm. of liverpool i still feel inter milan like you know they they are capable of uh, of you know bringing a shocker and uh, because they have uh, you know they have eden jeko who i remember we uh, he was playing for roma when it was when we played roma in the champions league yeah. semi finals and he scored two goals uh, you know against us and plus you know they have ivan perisic who's really quick uh, on the mm. left hand side where trent is slightly weaker on that side so yeah i mean it will be a really good battle we have mohammed salah and uh, and sadio mane and diego jota and you know we i mean we have extremely strong uh, attack as well so i i expect liverpool to go through but you know but yeah, until unless we see how they perform you know we'll not know that some italian legend i don't i, I think it's tardelli or someone like he kind of criticized somewhere in one of his interview that you know liverpool are favored by referees and so on and so forth so you know things like that it's always good to it, it just revs it just revs the players up to win even more i think the one thing that i really like is uh, when liverpool plays away first leg so you know i always love when the first leg is away because because you know because then they come to anfield and if we are behind then you know i i know for sure anfield will be roaring and so we still have that chance so you know yeah. I, i would yeah, i would want the game to be completed in the in the first leg itself but you know it will be a difficult tie i would say you know completely like spot on and uh, great picture this so this is even i'm going to have a have a look at it because you've already hyped me up for it and definitely the second leg at anfield is like something else like even being a united fan i'm not uh, ashamed to agree uh, agree on this that you guys have a better 
uh, what should i say like a home environment where the crowd and everyone are so loud and everyone gets behind the players is just amazing to watch i remember watching the liverpool barca game and that was just like something else altogether so definitely it's going to be a good uh, game of football and the other picture is also uh, which is the, which, which was that one the third one that is uh, madrid versus psg oh yeah oh man <laughs> that's is that's mbappe's like, mbappe's future club uh, current club versus psg they should be like whoever wins this takes mbappe that that should yeah. be on, on, on the cards you know it's like the custody of mbappe lies after the two fixtures are mm-hmm. done i mean two heavyweights of uh, football and uh, i think sparks is what we ex- expect as usual but we have to also see that this is a completely different team uh, when they faced each other the last time at yeah. that time psg had like very like aging players and uh, even though they have aging players now but then these are the these are the prime players like Messi and if Ramos is fit I don't know what what his situation will be like play, playing against his his club basically it's Madrid I mean that will be a huge uh, range of emotions for for him if he is fit to play and he gets to gets the chance to play as well so uh, but but we have to say Messi is going to play against Real Madrid I mean that's another yeah. story altogether I mean this is just his shirt is going to get much more darker in blue and uh, i think he's he's still going to you know make his way through the defense and score a couple he's always done that so it will be really inter- interesting to see how ancelotti plans this one and you know breaks it down because two very strong teams and if they if they if they put out their best their best teams forward and they, these guys are on their you know on on the go since the since the first minute it's going to be a really like a cracker of a game and uh, superstars everywhere you look at the pitch it's all great players at all the positions what's your take yeah i think uh, yeah i completely agree you know like it's going to be i we, we even i'm expecting a cracking game but you know like on the other hand like i'm seeing psg even though they have that players i'm not seeing them perform at that level because uh, i don't know something is not clicking to be honest uh, in psg and maybe it's just that you know they're just getting used to playing with each other you know with messi in the team and so on but you know it, it could very well be that madrid go madrid defeat them uh, you know really well but you know but for sure you know it's messi versus madrid so i'm 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 definitely saying that you know messi is not going to let that go and he's going to bring his best game yeah that's what i yeah uh, and also interesting is that uh, we are talk about mbappe and these guys as well but even in madrid vinicius junior is on another level altogether i have uh, i saw his uh, game the other day and i mean he's performing at a very high level right now and uh, he's turned up this season like anything he's putting in assists he's putting in goals and uh, definitely this is, this will be the first like proper big game of his life where he's going to basically come face to face face to face with mbappe uh, i mean there's so much to draw out of this game these games and yeah. it gets more exciting as as an as we talk about it so yeah just get us these days go fast forward and you know just get this uh, games rolling all, uh, already so definitely very exciting times ahead as for ucl as well uh, yeah i think that was pretty much with ucl anirudh anything more you want to cover up regarding that no no i think i think i think we've covered up most of the yeah. topics you know i think we'll be cracking uh, round of 16 and you know we hope the best teams 
go forward so that we get to see more interesting games and quarterfinals and we we'll, we should we should do our predictions then what's it what what who which teams would you would you pick to you know go through yeah i think in atletico man united i think uh, i'll go for man united because yeah. i don't see yeah. atletico I'd like even though they have the players I'd, i'm not seeing them play like a team so i would say man united for yeah. in, in the atletico united team and what yeah. would be the what would you call like how much i would say one or two legs i would say it will be a good uh say two all and then we'll we will we will win on penalties that's what i'm going for okay yeah i think i'll i'll say um i'll i'll, I'll put it this way i think in the first leg i think atletico will win 1-0 and in the second leg um the second leg i feel united will win 2-0 So mm. that is yeah yeah and so maybe 2-1 they'll they'll go and also, also have to remember we don't have the away goal system anymore so that oh, will be also yeah. a bit interesting to see how that goes about exactly exactly yeah so what about liverpool and uh, <laughs> uh yeah i think uh, my natural biasness towards liverpool is you know i'm going of to course. say liverpool and uh, so i'll say first first leg 2-1 to liverpool and second leg i'll say 2-0 to liverpool so 4-1 on mm. okay i go with 3-2 liverpool i'm just putting extra goal with the uh, inter milan so yeah i was keeping it more spicier for the second leg as well so yeah 3-2 and liverpool goes through as well the big one madrid versus uh, psg and i'll i'll go with uh, four to madrid four to madrid yeah that's a good that's a good thing. i'll i'll say um i'll say 3 to psg oh yeah so you're you're really counting on messi with this one huh? yeah i feel i feel psg has slightly more quality but uh, but you know it's a tough game but yeah i'll still go with 3 to uh, mm. psg Make, yeah i know completely yeah Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Again. So, which were the other obvious teams? I think Bayern is playing which team? Yeah, I think Bayern is playing Salzburg. Then, yeah, so I think uh, that's final. Yeah. Five, five two or final something. Yeah. Like <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Sorry if anyone, any Salzburg fans are hearing this, but uh, that's what we think will happen. And uh, Chelsea versus Lille, right? I think that will also be another. It's a four-nil yeah. or a four-one or something like that. So, yeah, not, yeah, not that we not that we completely count these teams off. Okay, it's not like that. But usually, going with how the stronger teams have more advantage coming into these these sort of fixtures. Let's let's just see. Yeah, and plus, like like the teams like Bayern Munich and Chelsea. I think I would say they are the top five. They they come in the top five teams that are currently in form, and I don't see. someone breaking their form uh i mean un, un, like un, until they face a uh, uh an equally in form and you know big team like like for example ajax is playing really really well so mm. you know it's it's very well possible because ajax uh, in the past they have they have defeated bayern munich in previous champions league seasons they have defeated juventus in previous champions league seasons of course even and, madrid uh, yes exactly even madrid so you know you definitely cannot write uh, ajax off you know they can definitely upset uh, a top team yeah i think so that was uh, pretty much with uh, with these sort of uh, fixtures and draws so basically 
we're just going to look look forward to it and then we'll do another round of podcast after the first leg and see uh, where which team which teams stand and what they could have done differently okay then moving on to the next segment which is uh, i think we are going to talk about uh, liverpool or where liverpool have had a uh, very uh, strange but obviously they have kept on winning so that's a good thing and they got our draw as well so anirudh uh, take take this through and let us know what 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 were your thoughts about the premier league draw against tottenham um it was it i mean we all we always knew i think with antonio conte in at tottenham you know it would it will be a difficult fixture um you know i you know with with a lot of our main players like henderson fabinho thiago van dijk all out with uh, with i think uh, suspected covid uh, so you know i think i think they were rested and they were not in the team and i think tottenham on the other hand a lot had lot of players with covid and and you know and their one of the middle matches was i think i think it was delayed and uh, because of of that same reason but they played a strong team on uh, on sunday and uh, you know, liverpool i i feel also had a strong team because we had our front three and uh, and we had matic and konate at the back with trent and robertson and in the midfield i felt uh, you know we had to play tyler morton our uh, youth academy and a really good talent and you know then we had milner and we had uh, ox so uh, i felt the, like the game um, you know it was it was i was energetic i would say because uh, you know the first half you know the we were bounce like we were creating chances tottenham were creating chances then again we were creating chances and so many chances uh, and then you know i think kane broke the broke the deadlock and he kind of scored the first goal and i mm-hmm. felt i felt some of the again, a really you know, a really good ball by endombele so pointed out yeah i think it was a really really good ball by uh, i think it was through ball if i'm not wrong yeah yeah, it was, yeah yeah it was really good yeah and then yeah and then i mean what do i say about the officials i felt i felt you know that that kane tackle at least deserved a second look into the var to see if it was a challenge i i, I felt it was a red card to be honest but uh, but you know i think the officials decided against it because uh, robertson was trying to jump and when mm. he was and when he was jumping kane caught robertson uh, on his shin right so if robertson wouldn't have jumped and he was his his leg was stayed on the ground i think it would have been a potential break i mean that 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 was the that was the type of tackle that kane went with but you know yeah i'm not sure why the officials did not go for a second look and then you know i think liverpool equalized and then again a penalty which was a clear cut penalty to liverpool but again you know the officials and var did not do a second check on that because they felt that uh, you know jota was going for a shot and but you know it was not the case and then the second half i i felt you know we did really well to take the lead and in alison i would say uh, i would say he was the like he was the hero of the match because like we could have easily lost this game 3-2 4-2 even 5-2 yeah. not sure because tottenham yeah. were just constantly attacking and creating chances but tottenham, you know tottenham yeah. really had like good two chances where they could have you know uh, caught into the lead but one was a really bad miss by delhi ali 
and uh, there was another uh, a good chance i think son had taken that one and he just missed or something like that but if they could have cut down those few chances i think if they were easy two more goals it might be a 4-2 or a 4-3 we could have been looking at yeah i think alison kept us in that game and um, and yeah i think i think like he is a sweeper keeper so whenever the ball is Uh, when the ball is like whenever whenever the attacker is free to come you know free is free and there's no defender around him alison is i think naturally he's going to come forward to kick the mm-hmm. ball out but this time he he could not connect with the ball and it just he just went through to son to score the yeah, goal yeah yeah and uh, and then yeah robertson won i think and i think it was a clear red to be honest uh, but i just felt like this challenge was uh, checked uh for the second time uh in war but uh, the first challenge was not so you know that is what i felt uh, in that game i mean it was a uh, i mean i would accept a draw uh, considering uh, you know how that match went so you know i I'm, i'm kind of fine with the draw i mean it's definitely not good for the title challenge because we are now two points two two i think two or three points yeah behind manchester city and city don't seem to drop points so it's definitely difficult to catch up uh, but but you know yeah. i think i'm still kind of very optimistic uh, with the future matches so you know so I'm, yeah i mean it was a difficult score to take but uh, you know we move on and you know we look to the next match no like a well, great point you said because city is on a roll they just don't lose points that easily they are on a lead with 3 points from liverpool and Chelsea have now gone slipped down to 30 like 38 points so that's like 6 points below the the title contenders city which are who are on 44 and Liverpool on 41 so 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 the the gap between the top 3 is slightly widening now uh, because they were quite neck to neck in the past couple of months uh, but now this is the turning point usually every every time of the season the second half of the season is always where the fatigue the injuries and everything comes with the picture and then we'll see the the gaps widening between teams so this will be a really in, like a good battle to see where this goes or again we were expecting chelsea to be in the mix as well but again is it going to be another man city versus liverpool you know chase down and uh, getting to see which one you know gets over the other this this year around uh, also we need to mention about i think arsenal have been also playing really uh, like a good football i would say like they have been turning out wins but uh, yeah it's too early to say that they are back and you know they are going to get into this for top 4 and everything i mean yeah they do have a chance if they keep on performing like that but yeah still like a like a long way to go for for this team of youths because uh, everyone is just under the age of 23 lot of experience is missing so not really sure how would how they would handle the matches which would be coming but definitely a very interesting spot to look at and a bunch of amazing young talent and youth players who are playing in the, into the first team so yeah arsenal are looking good and hopefully uh, the games which have been postponed due to covid uh, uh, and all the issues because i i'm not sure if you know this but recently the news came that even the liverpool games have been postponed yeah due to the covid situation so that might create a bit of a disrupt uh and uh, yeah hoping the situation gets sorted out and football resumes back to normal uh without any uh, risk of covid so to say uh, great great uh, uh, regarding the premier league uh, moving our attention on the game yesterday for Car- carabao cup uh, liverpool just just 
got it in the end and it was your taste <laughs> yeah i think it was really amazing to see because uh, <laughs> like to be honest uh, like like again the same story right like lester had a lot of covid cases so everyone thought lester would field uh, a, a slightly less stronger team and mm. uh, with the same condition at liverpool as well like liverpool also did not have a lot of players back except for henderson and so you know we had no other choice but to kind of play our uh, second squad as well as you know some of the youth players mm-hmm. as well so and then when i saw lester's uh, squad for the game i i kind of assumed you know i think you know it's really difficult to beat this the lester team with the squad we have at the moment i know like we we, we played like we played billy comesio who is uh, you know the youth uh, and really talented player and then we have we played Tyler Morton who has had some you know first team experience uh, with a lot of matches that he played so you know uh, i thought we still had the quality but compared to what uh, the strength of Leicester's team i thought you know it was it would have been a difficult win but and like i i i saw a couple of minutes for the match and then I kind of i went to sleep but when i was uh, i kind of woke up in the middle of the night to see the score and it was 3-1 so i thought maybe you know i think it's difficult to come back to this and then the morning i woke up and i saw okay three all and liverpool have won five four on penalties and i kind of we we saw them i kind of just watched the highlight and i saw like you know again that that anfield crowd that the desire to win and you know brilliant brilliant i mean diego jota you know he came on in the half time and uh, brilliant i think I mean I'm really really happy to see Diego Jota performing really well and I'm extremely happy to see Minamino get his goal because yeah. I I would put it this way that Minamino has been like Minamino is the uh, Mohamed Salah for Liverpool in the Carabao Cups because he's been scoring he's been scoring yeah. for all the Carabao matches I feel so you know okay. yeah so I think really good goal he missed the penalty though but you know nevertheless yeah. he still got the team till the penalty shootouts and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and yeah and i mean i would like to just give a shout out to kelahar uh, you know uh, again youth goalkeeper and he is i'm going to i'm telling you right now he's going to be the next like once alison retires or leaves liverpool kelahar is a natural replacement because he is really good at penalties uh, stopping he's really good at uh, shot stopping during the matches and leading the match well and so you know we have a really good talent uh, you know in kelahar and uh, you know i'm hoping to see him more like l- we play arsenal in the semi finals so i i just hope even if 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 liverpool reach the final i hope that he gets the chance over alisson in the finals as well so you know so that is but yeah really interesting good match uh you know i in the past seasons i've always seen liverpool not performing in the carabao cup but it is good to see them in the semi finals and uh you know over the two legs i think you know we have two legs in semi finals so it will be interesting to see how we perform and that is also against an inform arsenal so you know it will be interesting to see <laughs> yeah definitely and not to forget that beautiful cross by james miller for milamino's last milamino's goal I mean it was a really like I mean it was just wonderful to see that cross come in right at at Pinamino's foot and the way he finished it off and the celebration just topped it off Exactly yeah he is Mr reliable for Liverpool so you know Yeah, yeah. definitely
and uh, any word on these youngsters i mean uh, we have uh, just said there's this guy bradley at the right back williams for the center back was this guy called comitio yeah yeah i think you know they've been playing uh, with the first team for some time now not playing professional matches but uh, you training know training and training and everything exactly yeah training and also playing the pre-seasons and so pre-season on camp. Yeah. so it's 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 really important for such players to train with the first team to understand how the how professional footballers train and you know what their mentality is and uh, you know i can see their talent uh during the games because i've seen Tyler Morton play now i think a couple of matches now and he is he's just really natural with the ball you know he plays that Fabinho role and he's just really natural with that with that with his passing with his uh, vision and so on and so with time and age i think you know he'll just be he'll just keep on getting better if he focuses on that and then you know we have uh, uh he plays as a number 6 or like an 8 goes yeah, forward I, uh i think in the current squad he's playing as a number 6 but uh yeah i think i have a feeling that you know klopp will groom him to be a number 6 instead of a number 8 so, so like yeah. fabinho's role fabinho's role exactly okay yeah and then you know one more really good talent owen beck who is a left back and mm-hmm. uh like i must say he is also a really really i've like Uh, how much ever I've seen Owen Beck play, he's been really good at what he does. So for sure, like I think Robertson's replacement is going to be Simikas, and uh, Simikas's replacement is going to be Owen Beck. So you know, wow. I feel yeah, I three feel generations good. are sorted. Exactly, exactly, and uh, and uh, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, one. No, and then Bradley on the right. You know, we have Trent. Then we have. Uh, um Nico Williams and then we have Bradley right so Nico Williams uh you know he hasn't performed that well but you know he's still young and you know he's and he doesn't get chances over Trent of course you know so so yeah. Really, so yeah definitely a lot of development there as well and then the center back yeah who is the second choice right back after Trent uh that's Nico Williams okay yeah yeah right. so he's not getting chances to play as a I mean, right back Yeah, I mean he plays. Um, I would say he plays uh, Carabao Cups, and he played against Milan in the Champions League. And okay. uh, yeah, I think I think those are the matches where he he plays, you know, more uh, mm-hmm. than Trent. And uh, but the left back, like like Klopp can rotate between Robertson and Simikas, but he usually does not rotate between Trent and uh, Nico Williams. If it's an important match, he does not rotate it. But if it's a match. where uh, you know trent could use a break uh, so you know in those matches uh, usually nico williams he plays right back and also it speaks a lot about trent you know like how vital part he is of the liverpool squad yeah exactly exactly yeah because i think uh, i'm not entirely sure but i think uh, the title winning season and the season before that trent did not have trent and robertson did not have backups like like backups good enough to play in that team and i think they played each and every match that liverpool competed in oh. and uh, apart from the carabao cup and i think up i feel so but the other all matches they played back to back matches and you know and at the highest level so i always felt you know trent was maybe slightly burnt out last season mm. but you know yeah but he regained his form 
this season he was also injured right during the uh, the euros as well he didn't get the chance to participate exactly exactly yeah mm, like the future already looks quite bright for liverpool and uh, scary as well for the other teams so yeah definitely looking forward to this uh team turning up and watching them play and i mean tell you you guys have clock i mean the future is always bright great and as we speak uh, i think it's just uh, holidays are around the corner and uh, all we know that after holidays we get the transfer window rolling in <laughs> so this going to this is going to be a little interesting one because uh, already lot of players have moved in the summer so what do you expect any major transfers happening this this winter around No I think uh, like the the winter markets are very I mean you 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 rarely see big transfers in the winter markets I think the last ones that I have seen was uh, Virgil van Dijk from Southampton to Liverpool yeah. but but even that was a very uh, uh, in like so to say it was a very normal transfer but it got big later on because the beast van Dijk turned turned into right it Yeah was, I think exactly yeah what happened was Liverpool were going after Van Dijk for that summer summer transfer window but yeah. due to some PR and communication and you know those kind of issues uh, Liverpool uh, you know put out a statement that they'll not be going for Van Dijk in that summer window but it was very it was pretty uh, sure that they will go for him the next summer but they went for they got the money with Coutinho leaving and you know so they 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 signed him in December itself So mm-hmm. so that is the one signing that I have seen and apart from that you know it's really difficult uh, to move uh, big players around in the transfer window in Jan because uh, because you know a pl- lot of the teams where the big big players play in they are all competing at the highest level and yeah. so replacing them and changing the structure of the team that just drops the morale and confidence so you know so that's the reason why a lot of teams don't uh sell during that time but you know it's, yeah and like it, it's also kind of it depends on where those uh, clubs are like if 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 a, if two clubs have been uh negotiating for a player which which there was no time in the summer transfer window then they might get that deal done in uh in january yeah. you know maybe a pre deal for the next summer and so on so you yeah, know we, yeah. we might see a pre deal maybe but uh, but you know players like Haaland and Mbappe yeah, like will they'll not be happening this jan but definitely not maybe a summer move for them makes sense makes sense yeah i think uh, uh, as you rightly said major transfers are always uh, less possible in the winter transfer season uh, so yeah i mean there are some players who have been making the noise that they want to leave and uh, one player i could think of is anthony marshall from united His agent has come out in the open and said that he is up for grabs. He wants to leave United, and I think it's it's a it's a good decision from his behalf because currently he he is he cannot be found into the playing eleven of United because his draw his form has dropped severely since the past year and a half. He's not been performing at the level he used to, and it's it's a good thing that he needs to look at other options as well, so so that he gets to play those number of minutes and hopefully regain his form for. uh hopefully they gain his form and also that might reflect in a call for the national team as well so yeah definitely anthony marshall is there in out in the open and also with united one thing is still pending is the pogba contract situation because uh, 
I think United have been pretty clear that they have put out the contract way long ago in June itself for him to sign, but he has not made up his mind for whatever reasons. And uh, you know, the I, what I liked here is that if you, if this question was asked to Ole, and he would have given given a very diplomatic answer. Uh, but this this time there was Ragnik sitting, and Ragnik gave a very good, outstanding answer. He said that United is such a club that you don't need to go and convince players to stay. If he has to stay, he stay. If he doesn't have to stay, then it's fine as well. You look for the options. Yeah. This is what you need to be very clear, and you know you should put it out in the open because you can't take the club for granted, and you know extend uh, your not signing, signing this that. It just keeps on extending, and even the club is unsure what you want when you're you're so unsure. unsure. But I get it because he's represented by you know Rayola, so anything players uh, mm-hmm. surrounding him are always die- trickier to deal with, and the contracts yeah. and everything gets much more messier when he is the agent you want to deal with. Uh, so that is one situation. These are the two situations for United to be sorted out, and I think definitely some offloading has to be done with United because players like uh, uh, Phil Jones has not been. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with him, but I have heard recently he's back in the training. He is ready to train with the under 23s as well to gain back fitness and you know match fitness and try to get a, get a start in the playing level. But I think uh, future does uh, mold over players like Jason Lingard uh, because he's again not that guy who's been who's going to play every match. Maybe Carabao Cups and uh, other 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 games, uh, dead rubbers basically. So I mean, definitely should look for a transfer if he's serious about playing and continuously. And we definitely need to offload some players so that we can get get in some cash and. You know, standing on squad in the summer. Yeah, I think United definitely have a lot of deadweight, which I think, uh, like they were given a lot of chances, and you mm. know, they, maybe they did not play up to the mark. And I think it's it's better to move on and you know replace them with more younger. Yeah, squads. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this is another great point because uh, whenever we used to play under Ole, we used to I don't think so hardly we have we have had any youth team. A player playing into the first eleven, even in the Carabao Cups and these games, like the it was always a second second squad, second string squad. But like they, these guys, they were never played like for the past two three months, and they might be training obviously. But like that, I hardly saw a promotion from the youth team into the first team under Ole. And uh, as soon as Ragnik took charge, he said this thing, which was which was very really impressive, is that. Building a club doesn't only mean that you just keep on buying players and strengthening the squad. That is not the that is not the solution in the longer run. The best solution is always to develop your youth team to you know uh, make them believe and you know put that belief into them and make them train harder so that they can get into the team and perform. Which is which is what I've been seeing with Liverpool and. Yeah. Um, even Chelsea has a great youth setup, so to say, and we need to also get our players from the youth setup, get them these games like Carabao Cups and all these games, get them some game time, and then see which players are doing good, which players are doing great, and then we can you know get them those second uh, sec, uh, like a backup striker or a backup right back, these sort of roles, so that they can also have this chance and opportunity to perform for the club, and maybe if they do really well, they can get the First, first spot, a first player spot as well. Uh, who's going to stop that, right? So definitely, I mean, uh, under because I think this game we played against uh, UCL, I think that was a young boys. We actually had all our young boys against that game. Look, I had even not even heard the, some of these guys' names as well. They were so new to me. I had to go and see on Wikipedia 
what uh, youth setup they are part of, uh, what games have they played before, and it was it was really exciting to watch these guys into the mix, right? And it is it definitely like uh, puts into the picture what Ragnik has in plans for United, which is not just to go on a, bli- on a shopping spree. He definitely knows where to look and what players to strengthen. So yeah, that's also one thing we need to keep an eye. If he gets someone this January window, if he gets a number six or not, or all all the other all the transfers going to happen in the summer window. So great times ahead, exciting times ahead. Let's see how clubs uh, span out their uh, window, transfer window. Two of the two of the most talked about footballers whenever it comes to transfers is obviously right now it's. Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland, uh, and both of their futures are in doubt. Maybe not for this transfer window, but definitely when the summer turns up. Uh, ideal clubs for both of them, Anirudh. What would be your take? I think Beno Raiola has been about Haaland's future and the fact that you know he has not ruled out him leaving Dortmund. But, mm. but I think I think everyone knows uh, the general feeling that. You know, he's not going to be staying in Dortmund because he wants to compete for trophies. He wants to play with the best players. He wants to score tons of goals, I think, in the best leagues and so on. Mm. So, like, 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 if you ask me, Haaland, um, you know, I would, I would say if he comes to City, he is going to be one of the most lethal strikers that Pep ever has and, uh, you know, like like it, it's the same feeling as Aguero, right? I mean, mm. he, is, he is Aguero was at a different level. I think he was one of the best strikers that he had, as well as yeah. we saw in the Premier League. But yeah, Haaland, just to uh, just to break you off in between, sorry, sorry for that, but uh, it's a really sad thing that Aguero now has to retire due to his heart issues, and he has taken retirement. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think you rightly rightly said like you know this past decade. If you have to pick a striker, uh, you know, it has to be Sergio Aguero, who has done a great job for City. And I still like, cannot forget when Peter Dury yelled Aguero to City, who won the Premier League that day. And it definitely broke my heart, but it was a moment to, you know, cherish as a football fan. Yeah, I think, you know, like City can never completely replace Aguero and the... Uh... And the and and basically that ruthlessness and uh, the talent that he brought to the attack, but yeah. but uh, you know I've, I've seen a lot of strikers, but like I've, I've never seen a striker this young who's so lethal that is Erling Haaland. To be honest, like I don't even remember. I think he's what twenty one, twenty two, and I don't remember yeah. the last. 21-22 age striker who was this lethal with the record, like with the goal scoring, you know, numbers that he has. Because if like we yeah. have seen, Robert Lewandowski played for Dortmund at the time, but you know, to be honest, he wasn't that like he he was not at that level that he is now. And uh, so it was like the numbers that Erling Haaland is producing is just too good, and uh, like. If he goes to City, I mean the likely clubs I see who can uh, who can potentially pay his fees is City. Then uh, PSG might think about him if if Mbappe goes somewhere. But and then but here yeah. here is a question is a question I have. Uh, as far as as I see with City is Pep looks for more technical players, and he hasn't like his reliance as for the goals as. Never been an out-and-out striker. Like if you see 
is pulled back sucker playing forming at the wingers position the wingers are scoring the midfielders are scoring the defenders are scoring Yeah. So, like, uh, obviously, Aguero was a huge part of the squad, but obviously, we need to also see that he he was a very technically gifted player as well, like with those intricate passing and all those things. But when it comes to Haaland, uh, I don't see him as a technically sound player. He is more of a of a of a out and out, so to say. So, yeah. I'm not really sure how will he fit with the Pep ideology of football, of you know, being this uh, this where you have to find passes and not. Think about the goal as such because it's not like the entire responsibility will be on, on your shoulder only to keep on scoring goals. Everybody yeah. are going to chip in. Everybody will have an equal part to play, and it's more about those passes and you know that position style play, uh, position style football. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's one of the reasons why you know it's either Haaland, like either buying a young player like Haaland and grooming him to play as per how Pep wants. Or you go for someone like Kane, who who has played in the Premier League, who knows right. how City play. like he has seen how City plays, and like he plays Kane is is also now starting to learn that that backup play where you know he comes slightly uh, yeah. back, he takes yeah. the ball and then he kind of creates chances and gets into position and so on. So you know City can go for I, I would say either strikers, but yeah I know it's definitely. uh like i would love to see haland in liverpool because i know for sure he is going to score a lot of goals for that but you have chota already at that position for yeah, me was there yeah i think formino was almost 30 31 you know i'm not sure if if formino would be back to the he still plays really well but you know we i, I don't think we're going to see that informed for me you know that we saw a couple of years back again mm-hmm. so i'm for sure you know the liverpool might be looking to replace him uh, you know they'll be looking for someone uh, who can perform the role of a false nine like formino did that is what jota is doing as well so you know i would love to see jota get the chance but you know but like to be honest someone like haland i and i know for sure because i have seen klopp work with robert lewandowski and uh, and like he made Robert Lewandowski, the player he is, along with Pep and uh, you know I think Ancelotti when he was in Bayern. Uh, but you know I, I I've seen Klopp play Robin. Robin Lewandowski at the time was like a natural number nine, mm. and same as what Haaland is. So I know for sure he will fit into Liverpool's uh, uh, kind of uh, ideology. But yeah, it's, it's to be honest, it's like very out of. range like in terms of the transfer money because liverpool have this sell sell to buy yeah yeah so unless we sell someone like mane or mohammed salah i don't think we can afford alland but and we can mm. we definitely most definitely cannot sell mohammed salah yeah both of them mane i don't think so it would be right thing to sell him exactly exactly what uh, any idea how many years firmino uh, has on his contract I think there were talks about him signing a new contract, but I'm not sure if they have tied him down to the contract yet. Hmm. Right. So I think he still has uh, maybe uh, two years left on his contract, but you know it's still uh, slightly. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, he might get a contract, but I'm not sure how often will he will actively be engaged in the hmm. team. No, definitely. And honestly, I would like to see both of these guys in the Premier League, but uh, I don't think so. And Pepe will be part of the Premier League because his eyes are set on Real Madrid, which is very obvious. And 
to be to like if you want to win trophies right now and a lot of them uh, without a doubt real madrid is the place to go because almost because of the squad and everything you guys are uh, the real madrid is almost guaranteed with the la liga and also the copa del rey trophies yeah. in their cabinet because literally uh, barcelona is going to take at least a couple of years to resurrect themselves Atletico Madrid has always been very ups and downs sort of a team. One season they are up, the other season they are extremely poor. So you cannot never guarantee like a continuous title challenge for title challenge for any of the other teams. Okay. So like if you want to if you want to see a more balanced team, a squad where you want to win trophies for the next three to four years or two three years at least, I mean, uh, Real Madrid is the ideal choice. And yeah, I think it's his. Uh, I think. Like, like I think we've I've seen photos where Mbappe had Ronaldo pictures in his room, and I don't know if it's true or if it was edited photos. But uh, but I I think Madrid is is Mbappe's yeah, yeah. Yeah, favorite definitely. favorite squad as well. So you know, so yeah, I I definitely uh, like think you know like Madrid is the next stop for Mbappe for sure, uh, and I think Madrid can only afford that uh, enormous. Transfer fees and wages that yes. So. Yeah, that and maybe if uh, Barcelona, Barcelona, you know, pull out a <laughs> magical <laughs> transfer window and get Haaland, and then they, the La Liga gets this rivalry going like they did with Ronaldo and you know Messi. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but again, I think I'm not really sure with Barcelona and the finances. It's like really a tricky situation and. Even if Haaland even wants to come to Barcelona, that's another question because uh, the team is like not in the position where they can challenge for trophies out and out every season right now. So really interesting to see uh, how these where these two guys land up. Uh, one thing is for sure that you know these guys are always gonna beat down each other's neck and you know compete for goals and trophies and future Ballon d'Or contenders as well. So yeah, I mean we are I, pretty sooner than later. We are definitely going to step into the era of Mbappe and Haaland fighting it out, and uh, let's see where where these guys go. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's yeah, pretty I much. Think, uh, just one more thing. I think I think you mentioned yeah. it offline uh, about Dusan Lahovic. So I think yeah, yeah. yeah, I think we we'll just give him a mention because he's definitely. been he's been he is also generating a huge. Numbers in uh, Italian in Syria. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, I think he is also rumored to move away from Fiorentina, right? So I think you know he's also like I've, I've I haven't seen him play, but I've seen his YouTube videos and stuff. He's also yeah. a very natural number nine, and so you know he could also get into any of the top teams as well. Arsenal is strongly rumored to go for him because yeah. uh, the issues they have been having with Aubameyang and all the other things. And their their policy of buying players under 23 is just perfect for this guy as well. And honestly, if they get him, then this is and if he adapts to the Premier League and keeps his keeps his game continuously up, so I don't think so. Why he cannot be the next uh, you know Ballon d'Or contender? And he is definitely going to take the, the team to another level. And uh, yeah, great guy to look forward to. Uh, I almost skipped, uh, you know, talking about him because he was so caught up with this Holland and uh, Mbappe situation. But yeah, a great, uh, a great uh, sort of a prospect to look forward to. And even uh, City has some sort of a, a connection to this guy as well. So, but Pep said that we don't want to get any striker for this winter season. 
but we'll definitely look something in the summer around summer 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 transfer so yeah uh yeah let's see where where he lands up as well and uh, would be a great uh, transfer if these all these three guys move in the same window <laughs> just like uh, how last summer uh, messi and ronaldo moved and uh, one guy is obviously uh, we have not talked about him because i don't think so he's going to move in the next two years at least but he is is one of a generation player because i have loved watching him play so much and that's jude bellingham is doing mm. absolutely amazing at dortmund and uh, the maturity he has in his game and his understanding is just phenomenal to watch him play and to just see where he land up next and obviously he's going to come back to the premier league uh, just like how sancho uh, yeah. went from city to dortmund and now back to united something similar might be happening with jude bellingham as well So this is like the cycle where I think Dortmund has this policy as well, where they're getting the young prodigy and then they keep on selling them year on year uh, to get the sales revenue or the the revenue from the transfer window. And again, they might you know inject it to the youth setup as well. So, anyways, both the both the uh, clubs are happy. One club is getting the 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 value for the player, and the other one is getting the player altogether. So, uh, yeah. young 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 prospects moving around uh, and you know setting up the world on fire is something which we have always loved and uh, each and every football fans love to see uh, a young guy coming in and you know just tearing the league apart so yeah definitely looking forward to all of these happenings pretty soon and uh, exciting era of football you know you summed up pretty well you know i think it's the era of, of really young uh, young young players you know i think we have seen the last of or we are starting to see the last of messi and ronaldo so mm. you know, we will see other contenders for the ballon d'ors in the future and uh, you know that's how you know it is you know like like messi ronaldo graced the sport really well for years mm. yeah and uh, so the, but now it's it's you know it's time for uh, mbappe and haland and uh, you know uh, players like those to kind of step up and uh, and kind of you know be the be the be the next kind of influencers for young kids in the future yeah so i think that that was pretty much it uh, for this week guys uh, hoping to catch up soon with another discussion pretty soon uh, as the holiday season is around the corner we wish everyone a merry christmas and a happy new year do stay safe and sound and keep tuning to our podcast um, every week and thank you for your time this is me sahil and this is anirudh and we are signing off Thank you guys.